Uh, welcome to our newest episode of the Lebanese Physicians Podcast. And today uh, we actually are talking to the founders of Mind Easy, which is a platform based on artificial intelligence that we will discuss uh, a bit later and it's related to mental health. And uh, my guests today are uh, Alexandra Aswad, uh, Dali Ahmed, and Akanksha Shilat, who are the founders of this uh, platform. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Khalil. Thank you so much for having us. Of course, 100%. The reason I, I invited you guys is because I uh, saw the invite that you received from LabNet and uh, the recognition that you had. And also, I, I was interested in the role of AI in uh, healthcare in general, because it's a growing role at this point, And this is one of the platforms that we can discuss today. So I'll start with Alexander. Alexander, can you give me a background of of how you got involved in like startup companies and and like what did you study at university and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was actually born and raised in Lebanon and moved to Canada at 18 to pursue my studies in finance and economics. So big numbers girl. Uh, two years down the road, I built my first startup called Chirpy, which I successfully sold in late 2019 to an digitization company and then i went into investment banking venture capital funding specifically for healthcare companies during my time at the vc fund i met Nadia and akanksha and this is when we decided to merge our very complementary skill sets to start building my dc uh, the three of us actually come from very diverse backgrounds uh, I think they each one of us will touch on this, but Dalia as well is from Yemen, Akanksha from India. And we all, you know, bonded in terms of not being able to find mental health solutions that would understand our cultural backgrounds. And uh, so Dalia, what's so your background is from Yemen and you also like were in finance before? So a little bit different from finance, my background is actually in the clinical space. So um, I, I, my background, my parents are from Yemen. Um, as you can imagine, they left a lot a long time ago because of the wars that are happening. I was born and raised in Emirates. I, I grew up there and then between there and Jordan, and then I moved to Canada. So very different, this third culture child experience. Um, so a lot of different intersecting identities. And I studied psychology. So um, right now I'm actually completing my PhD in multicultural psychotherapy, specifically at the University of Toronto. But during you know a lot of the training, the academic background that I received in the leading hospital in mental health and the leading educational systems in Canada as well, we were able to really identify some research that shows that you know there are advancements in the field. There has been advancements in the field in terms of cultural adaptations and focusing on identity to increase the outcomes of mental health and the different attitudes and how we can really optimize the way that we we interact with this approach but we're not implementing it. And so this was a really wonderful opportunity, especially from my background, having this intersectional identity to really be able to think about how we can actually bridge those gaps, especially as I'm seeing them in the space. So clinical background, I was trained in dialectical behavior therapy. I worked with a lot of, you know, suicidality, mood disorders, um, and seeing what contributes to the development of those as well. Um, so this is what led me and the team to really think about how we can really reach things in a preventative manner, uh, which is where we sit now. And so now we have a finance finance background and a clinical uh, psychology background. So uh, I can't, uh, what's your what's your background? As you can imagine, I am the tech part of the of the company now. So 
My background is in computer science and cognitive science. Uh, like Dahlia and Alex, I also come from a very diverse background. I was born in India. I was raised in the Middle East and Dubai as well. And then I moved to the University of Toronto to pursue my studies. So my interests and passions were always aligned to improve human experiences and use technology to do it. And with my studies in cognitive science, I really wanted to build something that focused in health tech. So I've uh, previously also partnered with institutions like Johns Hopkins University to create behavioral experiments for them in behavioral economics. So uh, that's where that's that's what Alex meant earlier by our complementary skill sets. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Yeah, you use three complementary skill sets that are needed to create this uh, startup company, which is which is great. So basically, I guess you decided also to create it because you're all coming from from different diverse backgrounds, and you felt that when you moved to different places such as Canada or the U.S., you felt that you had this what I would call, I guess. Sometimes people get homesickness or they get anxiety related to these moves. And then when you when you had these issues, you didn't find people who potentially can understand your mental health, who can understand your problems very well or understand your culture, uh, right? And uh, and it was hard to find an appointment. So basically, my question for you is like after you moved to the US and Canada, like do you know what the incidents like of mental health issues in, in and outside the workplace are in, in North America? Yeah, I think that we we see that people reach crisis. I think around 25% of the population will reach crisis at some point in their life. Um, and we see these stats everywhere. But when it comes to the vulnerability to mental health, when it comes to interacting with mental health and the system that helps or engages with mental health, this is actually everyone. Um, and I think the pandemic was a real eye opener that we're all vulnerable to um, mental health struggles if we don't have emotional literacy. Um, this is pretty much the equivalent of, you know, we're all vulnerable to walking and falling or running and falling and having, you know, the tools to ice your knee or ankle and know to not walk on it to continue increasing the inflammation and make it worse. Um, so really kind of being able to identify that everybody actually has, is vulnerable to mental health. And I think some of the work that we're doing is destigmatizing and reestablishing new language for how it is to engage with your mental health. Um, in the workplace, I would say actually, I, I don't know if Alex and Akash would agree with me, but I think every company that we have spoke with has said that these are, you know, employers are talking about it more, employees are talking about it more, that this is a conversation that is happening. And I think this is a, um, a still something that employ, employers are trying to increase more and more and almost influencing other companies to do the same. Yeah, and this could have influence, I guess, on like when you have burnout in the workplace or... Uh anger management issues or stuff like that, this could all be related to an underlying mental health uh, issues that could develop or were developed in the, in the past. Exactly. And a lot of people are working virtually now. And I think this causes a lot of isolation and disconnection. I see we see a lot of things around confidence, around, you know, imposter syndrome, around even that collaboration with work. It, it really that one person being affected with your mental health affects the system and how it interacts and how it operates and how the outcomes and that that come out of that um, the work that's being done. So it, we're seeing it on a, an individual level, but also on a on an environmental level, um, a collective level in the workplace. So are there adequate resources, I guess, because we've got a lot of mental health issues and there's always a discussion, especially in the U.S., let's say with gun violence, all the stuff. They're like, 
we don't have adequate mental health resources. So are there adequate mental health resources in North America or is that a problem at this point? I think there is a huge issue in the States. Um, Therapy is at its peak high, but mental health outcomes are continuously declining. One thing that, you know, we always question is, does therapy work and how do we know it works? What we've noticed with most of our users is, for example, that they don't care about the label. They don't care about that anxiety or depression label, but they care about the tools in order to feel better in that specific moment. So are you dealing with Zoom anxiety, email anxiety, uh, communication skills? And this is where, you know, we're able to come in and bring them pragmatic, practical tools tools that they usually wouldn't get access to unless they had a diagnosis. Dalia has also spent a lot of time, you know, working with outpatients, uh, clinics, and working with, as she mentioned, as well, suicidal individuals that uh, said, I wish I had access to those information before reaching this point. I wish I knew how to communicate my feelings and emotions before reaching crisis. Yeah, so basically you guys were in the workplace you've noticed these issues and you've noticed that potentially, even though there's peak therapy in the US, the mental health problems are increasing. And you're thinking maybe this is happening because there's no prevention. Like people are getting emotionally drained, they're getting burned out and they're not being seen by anyone until it's too late or until they develop the depression and anxiety that they develop. Oh, yeah, I was just uh, echoing your point exactly right. And there's also a huge problem when it comes to wait times. Um, You know, it's on average, if you're just looking at California, for example, three to four months uh, until you're matched with a licensed therapist to be able to have, you know, your initial conversation with them. So that's when you guys decided, all right, let's, did you leave your jobs? Like you left your jobs and developed the startup company mind easy right am i correct yes exactly right we all left our jobs and took on mind easy full-time yeah that's 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 scary but you've done a good job so 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 basically so what's the concept of and how did you come out come about to develop mind easy and what's the concept behind it when we first started mind easy we knew we wanted to solve two major issues that we saw in the space one the shortage of therapists, there is just not enough human capital to cater for this global problem. So we need a machine reliable, scalable solution. And two, the lack of cultural competence when it comes to the field. The one size fits all does not work for everybody and actually can be more damaging for specific culture demographics uh, rather than helpful. So uh, being able to build a scalable solution that's still customizable for specific users, identities, and cultural backgrounds. Um, uh, Anshka and Dalia, do you want to connect, uh, comment? Yeah, I think for me, something that we've also that's helped us is that we are we use a very collective, you know, efficacy approach. We know that you know within the three of us, we don't capture all of the identities in the world. Um, And also, you know, the different ways that the mental health space is moving is sometimes pretty scattered. And so 
we it is important for us to be connecting with different leaders in the mental health space to be working with the different systems that are you know step care models and i think this has been very validating for the way that we have been shaping up our product the way that we have been integrating ourselves in a system so that it could be cohesive it could be connected we don't want to be the only solution, I think, in the field, but we want to improve the journey for mental health, which is why we've seen ourselves kind of move towards that prevention because of those attitudes of mental health. It's such a it's such a unique and important opportunity to optimize the outcomes. Uh, I think, yeah. yeah, I was just going to add everything that they said. And I think when we talk about, you know, the mental health system, whether that's in North America or globally, there are so many barriers to access to help, right? So whether that's not knowing even who to start talking to, there's so much terminology in the mental health system. Do I talk to a psychotherapist, a psychologist, a psychiatrist? Where do I go to first start getting mental health? And then all of that happens at, you know, it's very expensive to, to access that help. And then it takes a lot of time to find that right match and the right person who understands your background and understands where you're coming from. And something that we pointed out previously, we're not all just one thing, right? We're not just women. We're also women and entrepreneurs. We're also young women and entrepreneurs. We, all, we also come from three different industries that have three different attitudes about workplace. So there's so many aspects to our, um, to our life that makes up our identities. And we wanted to cater to a population that is so multifaceted and has all these different layers to themselves and layers to their humanity. And we wanted to give it to them in a manner and at a time where they are capable of dealing with it and so that they don't reach that point of crisis. Um, and so that they don't actually have to, you know, struggle to find the help. It's almost like a, it's almost like a guided process where you start at a simple point where you are at a frame of mind where you can understand your mental health um, something that's broken down for you in a language that you can understand. We're not throwing diagnosis at you. We're not throwing, you know, research papers and terminology at you. We're actually explaining to you what happens when you're stressed and why does that stress look different to you than it does maybe to your partner or maybe to your boss. Uh, yeah, so, so basically what you're trying to do is talk to different companies at this point to adopt or adapt your your platform and uh so who do you recommend let's say you're in a workplace in, in a bank or a, a financial institution and who who would be your your clients or who would be the clients you'd be targeting in that case and who's your ideal client i guess yeah so we work with a lot of different organizations from you know the retail space to the gaming space We've also worked with, you know, very uh, specific organizations such as Enfamil, which was in the perinatal space. Uh, and that's really our forte, being able to adopt mental health solutions for very specific populations and communities. Our uh, main targets are large enterprises that employ very diverse workforces. And we go directly after HR departments to make sure that all of their employees get access to our platform. So basically, it's not mandatory for every employee to access the platform, but employees who feel that they need to access it are the ones who would access the platform, right? 
Yes, absolutely. But we also do promote, uh, you know, a very routine engagement with our platform. Even if you're feeling happy, how do you maintain this happiness? How do you regulate your emotions on a consistent level? So can you walk me through, let's say this, that employee comes over, employee X comes over and says, I'm accessing the platform right now. And and he or she is saying, you know, I, I feel some stress at work, I'm feeling like more angry recently and stuff like that. So how does the platform interact with them? And 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 tell me a bit more about how the platform like was developed and how does it interact with, with these people? Um, so again, something that Dahlia pointed out early, we are in the preventative space. So what we have done is built an encouragement to create a safe space for self-guided um, understanding of mental health. But this is where the AI comes in. This is where the technology is incorporated. So everything from um, how they interact with the platform and how many times do they do um, a mental health check-in every single day, that information is then you know, processed by our system to understand the user on a behavioral level. And they get specific personalized uh, recommendations for some of our resources. So if we consistently see they're complaining about work or they're complaining about their boss, the resources and catalogs that we have specifically for workplace, specifically for dealing with, you know, uh, maybe my progressions in the workplace, specifically dealing with superior superiors in the workplace, those will get recommended more and more often to these users. But they also have access to our entire catalog of resources. So when we work with an organization, we work very closely with them to really become partners with them and really understand that the, the space that they're in, really understand the industry they're in. So, um, you know, do, they, do their employees have public facing roles? Do they deal with customers on their feet every single day? The interactions they have there and the stress they deal there is obviously very going to be very different than someone that works in a warehouse or has physical labor as part of their um, job. So we make sure to do that as the first step and create our resources. And then these resources are available to the user on the platform as they go through their uh, to their, their daily well-being. So basically, it's, it's more of an algorithm, right? Like the, the employees go in, they fill out basic information and questionnaires about their mental health. And then based on these questionnaires and the, what kind of work they do, then, then algorithms are developed as to what prescriptions these patients or these individuals are given to deal with their preventative issues. Am I correct? Yeah. The The only thing I would change there is we actually don't make them do questionnaires. What we've seen is there is a over-focus on, you know, end users and, and clients doing a lot of homework, again, to, you know, reach the mental health, um, mental health help that they need. So we just ask them to sign up with some basic information. And then we do all the interpretation on our end to see, okay, what catalogs are they spending most times in? How often are they coming back to these catalogs? We have a built, uh, inbuilt um, chatbot check-in that is essentially a very small interaction to see, hey, how are you doing today? What's making you happy? What's making you upset? Let's put a number on that feeling. Tell me more. Vent to me about you know what's contributing to that, whether that's to that happiness, to that stress. And those are some data points that we collect over time to make sure that the, that the system and the platform is customized for that user. Got it. And so there's catalogs on the website, right, that, that, that people access, but they can access different catalogs depending on what their emotional state is at that point in time. Am I correct? 
Yeah, exactly. So, so we'll recommend things to you um, according to, you know, some of the behavior that we're seeing, but you still have access. So if you're feeling really happy one day, but you've been feeling really stressed out before, so we'll be able to recommend, hey, today you're happy. Let's talk about that happiness more. But here's also some more information because you've been feeling upset in the past week. So we just make sure that they have something as quickly accessible, literally on their fingertips. Galia, you wanted to add something, Grace? Uh, yeah, from a clinical perspective, what we wanted to offer is something that is very easily accessible and is a micro interaction that could offer you a micro intervention. And so you go on the app, Akanksha mentioned this daily check-in. So you can go in, you can, like you mentioned, report that you're feeling stressed, whatever it is. And then you receive different options of something that can help you regulate your emotions right then and there. It teaches you and guides you through it so that in that moment, we're giving you what you need and we're pairing those two components together. That's kind of how we're shaping learning and behavior change. But in the long term, we're also taking this information and making suggestions for you so that as soon as you come in, this is something that you've reported, you, go, you kind of go through. And so all of this is basically based on algorithms and artificial intelligence, is there any interaction with people on this platform? Not at all. We really try to stay in the preventive and proactive space, but we do acknowledge that sometimes people might feel, you know, overwhelmed uh, or, you know, very stressed out, engaging with some maybe vulnerable experiences. Um, the only thing that is closest to human interaction that we have is a crisis button that redirects you based on your geolocation to the closest helpline um, that that is around you. But, uh, you know, when we started MindEasy, our main aim was to create something that wasn't reliant on human capital. So we can keep the therapist for people that are actually really in crisis intervention. So my question, couple of more questions for you one is have you been measuring let's say your outcomes because you've been working now with a number of different companies and what have you seen what has the feedback been and have you been measuring like are you improving mental health at the workplace or are you preventing people from let's say losing days of work because of depression or anxiety or other things Natalia, if you want to talk maybe about the qualitative and quantitative survey that uh, we, we've done a couple of months ago, but I'll just talk from an ROI standpoint, you know, each organization is very unique in terms of, you know, the different workforce dynamics. Um, so for each organization, we try to calculate an ROI based on the information that we have and based on the information that the HR department uh, shares with us. But overall, we do see, you know, amazing outcomes even from just workforce cohesiveness, um, you know, uh, different employees learning about different cultures, about how their peers are at work, why they think the way they think, et cetera. Yeah, and from a qualitative perspective too, I think we've been, you know, trying to gather, we're always reiterating, I think, because we are in a space that is an innovation. We're always trying to improve and stay on top of things and um, really understand the new demographics that we interact with and optimize. Um, but when we get this feedback, we've seen, you know, not just the productivity. I think we've seen productivity. We've seen to those soft skills that they're able to apply and that that apply to their productivity without them knowing that these are actually more only usually offered in therapy. Um, we've also seen something that's really important is that 
perception of control, um, which reflects that emotional literacy, is that people are feeling like in moments where they feel helpless or hopeless, that they actually have control over something, which is usually their emotions and changing the situation. You know, over 80% of our users have been able to acknowledge or feel more acknowledged by the mental health content that's been adapted to a different culture or in different languages. So we're seeing a lot of validation in terms of the need that's there um, and the attitudes that there. Um, Alex mentioned earlier, a lot of our users are also really, they're liking a lot of the tools that they're learning. They don't really, they're not really here looking for a diagnosis. Um, and this has been something that we also believe is something that's part of this high engagement. Um, we cater specifically and, and, focused in our approach on addressing demographics like ourselves that come from, um, you know, backgrounds where mental health is not easily spoken about. There's different attitudes around mental health and taboo and stigma. So the approach has been um, really important in terms of allowing people to engage with the content and digest it. Right, because then you also can engage with the content without having to like go out there and say, I'm going to be seeing someone or something like that. So basically it's preventative. You you engage with someone without having to tell them, you know, I'm feeling these feelings of anxiety or whatever at the workplace. Um, yeah. And even if people are, I think that we also have content that gives people, you know, the language and the steps to, to, to confidently move forward into their next level of mental health journey. Um, it's not about saying that you're okay, um, but at least giving them empowerment to know what they're doing to make informed decisions in their mental health journey. I think I hear all the time that people don't know what a social worker versus psychiatrist versus psychologist. What do I need? What do I have? I think that's very, very common. And so it's important that people know what they have, what they're what they're dealing with, what how they want to move forward in a in a way that is respectable, in a way that is you know we're we're respecting the pe person's autonomy, um, and I think that's one of the big tenets in psychotherapy in general. So, yep, yeah, I and I yeah, I just wanted to add actually that even you know being able to give our users a reflection of some of their usage and some of their uh, moods and emotions has been so interesting because we've been able on our end to see patterns in their behavior, but we have had users report acknowledging, oh, I actually get stressed out every Thursday and I didn't notice that until I saw that visually, you know, as a visual graph that I get stressed out every Thursday. And I realized that it's because I have this really big uh, team-wide meeting every Thursday that I need to prepare for. So we're also seeing people recognize their own patterns and see how some of these patterns of behavior are impacting their mental health. And then they would, I assume, change their behavior based on that? Well, yeah, they'll have tools to cope ahead, they'll have tools for, you know, regulating themselves, they'll understand kind of why this emotion, what what they can do. And so basically, I mean, it's an, it's an AI-based platform, so I'm sure it, it needs a lot of work, it needs updating, right, with time, because you need to updated based on feedback and stuff like that and so who's who's doing that and how 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 does that work yeah, yeah. we do that all <laughs> okay, oh, um, i just wanted to talk about one thing that we haven't mentioned which is also kind of at the back end of our platform um, but we've built a world-class network of over 70 mental health uh, clinicians in different, you know, ethnicities, religions, cultural background, uh, intersectional identities that have spent their whole lives researching 
what works and what doesn't work for specific identities, which words to include, which topics uh, must be, you know, very uh, relevant for specific communities, uh, which, you know, experiences might also be extremely relevant for, for specific populations. And they help us clinically vet and verify the adaptations we do to our content. We're kind of able to digitize their knowledge and make it extremely accessible. Uh, we continuously update uh, whatever is on our content based on our clinical network and make sure that we have the most up-to-date and relevant uh, resources coming from them. And sorry, I can try, I caught you off, but uh, I, I think it's also a very important part of our of the back end of our of our work. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, like you say, uh, said, Khalil, it's very important to stay ahead of how AI is being used and incorporated, especially when it comes to things like mental health or just health in general. And so we incorporate it in a few different ways. So it's not just um, it's not just a recommendation engine, but we also use larger language models that use and incorporate these cultural practices and research that is happening, not just in North America, but across the globe. Um, and then we also leverage generative AI to deliver all of our resources and content using um, ethnic avatars that are representative of our user base. They look like and feel like and talk like our users. So whether that's different languages, different accents, uh, ages, skin color, um, you know, gender. So we're able to represent our users in all of these different ways. I guess you, you work with an AI company, right, to do that or do you do it yourselves? We build all of our uh, all of our uh, technology in house. We do leverage some of existing um, open source information. Obviously, we're not, uh, you know, we're not trying to compete with larger avatar companies, and we're not trying to compete with larger uh, entire, you know, language models that already exist. But we want to make sure that there is a concept and um, amount of cultural adaptation that's happening in this uh, in the system. And uh, that, I mean, that is great work. And so uh, the companies you're working with right now, are they all based in North America or are you starting to branch out to, to other countries too? Yeah, we've been receiving a lot of inbound traction coming from the GCC, from the UK. Uh, currently, just from our B2B partnership, we have users in over 20 countries. Uh, and because of our cultural competent aspect, we're able to easily tap into those international markets and provide our solutions for the community and populations that really need them. Great. And what, what does the future hold? What are you thinking about in the future with the company, where, where it's going to go? Um, you know, we know we're never going to be able to replace therapy, but uh, we're very confident that we'll be as close as possible to this to be able to really optimize the therapist where they're needed uh, in terms of crisis intervention and make sure that as many people as possible have access to our platform. Yeah, this was it was great talking uh, to you all, uh, and and I mean it's a culturally like diverse company. I mean, if I, I talked to like Alexandra from Lebanon, Dalia from Yemen, uh, Akanchka from uh, India, and they've lived uh, a lot of places around the world. So they they are, they, they are, the, I mean, they, they know what like different cultures uh, look like and how people feel when they, when they go from place to place. And this is probably a reflection of like uh, what's happening now with immigration all over the world. I mean, people are going all over and that's going to be very important in the future. 
so hopefully we'll, we'll hear more about you in the future and, and uh, more success stories. Uh, and also maybe we'll see the results of your work, hopefully in terms of prevention of, of mental health uh, problems from occurring uh, down the road. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you Thank so you. much, Khalil. Thank you so much, Khalil.